But it is so nice to be back with you this morning, even under these unusual circumstances. Um, although I guess by the time you've had so many sets of unusual circumstances that they get less and less unusual, don't they? And we'll just keep informed with you, uh, keep, keep in, in communication with you over the coming days as, as to what is going on with us. Um, I do trust that it, most of you at least had a moment uh, sometime in the last month or so uh, where you've been able to get refreshed and relaxed and maybe taken a little bit of a break at some point before the sudden announcement last Sunday. Actually, last Sunday was our last day. Uh, we'd been away for a couple of weeks, uh, and Sunday we'd packed up the tent and we'd packed the trailer and we'd had our showers and we'd gone uh, to where my parents were who were, looking at, who were just feeding the kids breakfast and it was literally 10 to 11 on Sunday morning. We rocked up ready to say goodbye, and Dad comes out and says, oh, the Prime Minister's about to make an announcement. And I'm like, oh... That's a good way to end a holiday, isn't it? Right at that moment. I said, well, we're not waiting for that. We've got, we're just going to hit the road. Let's just go. Um, but we were holidaying in the beautiful paradise of Golden Bay, uh, which I know we are not the only ones who did so. Actually, Life Church Selwyn did a pretty good job of representing themselves in Golden Bay uh, in January, I think. Um, how, many of you, how many of you were there at some point? Yeah, look at that. Aren't we just... The, we're just smart. Um, I mean, we just love it there. We just love it there. I have been holidaying every summer in Golden Bay and Pohara specifically since uh, 20 years before I was born. I've been holidaying there. Um, it's our home away from home. It really is. I have so many memories of growing up there. Now I have memories of my kids growing up there. And when you have a season like we've just had, which was so settled, there was no rain, there was almost no wind, swimming every day. Twice, most days, actually. Um, it really is our favorite place. I've decided I have to show a couple of photos to make... Well, it's not to make you jealous. It's just to make me jealous. Um, you know, I was there on Friday. I was there on Thursday, or, you know, a week and a bit ago. That is in Golden Bay. It's just a spectacular, beautiful place to be. But as beautiful as it is, and as much fun and refreshment as we get from holidaying there, every year it reaches that point where we have to come home. It's just how it is, right? We can't stay there in holiday mode forever. And there are very obvious reasons for that. There's school and there's work and there's financial implications of living on a beach. Uh, there's responsibilities and so on. And it's quite common, too, that in the last few days of our holiday, because we know that we have to go home, we start to think about what it means to be going home. We start to think about friends and family that we want to see. We start thinking about the toys and games and Lego and pets that we left behind. We start comparing our airbeds with our real beds waiting for us. We start thinking about the convenience of things like showers and bathrooms and toilets and running water that exist inside our house rather than campground bathrooms, you know, the ones that you have, you have to roll out of your airbed, try and unzip the door as quietly as possible. It doesn't matter how fast or slow you do it, they sound the same in the middle of the night. You have to stumble around while you look for a torch. You have to try and, then you get to the outside door, you have to unzip that one, and then you have to zip it back up again, and then you have to try and tiptoe in jandals, which is quite difficult. Then you trip over a guy rope, and then you make your way across to the camp bathroom, and then you have to do it all in reverse on the way back, and then try and get back into the airbed without disturbing your wife, right? Like, this is quite a challenge. So you start comparing that life with your life at home. In those last couple of days, you can't help but just start to think about those things that await you. 
But at the same time, in particular, those last two days, you really start to think about all the incredible things that you'll miss when you leave Golden Bay. You really think about the beaches and the rivers and the swimming, the walks, the views, the hours of games and the reading time that you had, the having ice cream far too regularly. And you actually feel your heart starting to get torn in two between these two parts of your life. And I believe I've, I've camped at Pahara Beach in a tent, I think, 42 times in my life. It might only be 41. I may have, may have done overestimated by one. But every year before I leave, I still have to walk down to the beach to say goodbye and to say, see you next year. And I guarantee there will always be tears in my eyes as I do it because I still get this powerful feeling of separation and heart being pulled as we prepare to leave. And then as we spend the next seven or eight hours towing a trailer down half the length of the South Island, you have to force yourself to let go of the grief and sorrow of parting and begin to look forward to getting home and anticipating what the year has in store for you. And wow, what it had in store for us when we were leaving. And every year I go through these days, just these few days, either side of having to leave Golden Bay, where I feel like my heart is being pulled in different directions. And in Psalm 86, the psalmist writes these couple of verses, which are the basis of this morning's thought. Psalm 86, verses 11 and 12, they say, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Give me an undivided heart. Undivided, complete, full, total, whole, entire, absolute, unadulterated, unreserved, unmitigated, unshared, unbroken, solid, consistent, concentrated, exclusive, dedicated, sincere, undistracted, focused, engrossed, absorbed, attentive, devoted, committed. Lord, give me an undivided heart. It's quite a prayer. See, if I didn't care about work or school or responsibilities or finances or any of those things, then I would still be on one of those beaches that I pictured right now. But if I didn't care about the beach or swimming or camping with my family, then leaving that place would be absolutely no problem. But my heart is divided. I can't be completely absorbed and engrossed and dedicated and committed to the one thing if I'm also concerned and thinking about the other. The same is true in nearly every circumstance, isn't it? It's not just me camping at the beach that causes this problem. Trying to talk to somebody while they're reading a book or scrolling on their phone can be quite frustrating. Joe sometimes says, actually, that I only have two faults. The first is that I don't listen, and the second, something else. I can't remember. <laughs> sometimes I think I'm listening. I really think I'm hearing the words that are being spoken, but the reality is my mind is also giving some of its focus to something else. I'm not actually giving my undivided attention. And I know I'm not the only one, right? But the same can be true of our hearts. We think we have given our hearts to God, but we can so easily have our hearts divided. And throughout the Bible, there's a number of things that it talks about doing 
with all your heart. God is seeking people with an undivided heart. Wholeheartedness is an attitude and a posture that is repeatedly encouraged throughout scriptures, but half-heartedness is not. And it's important to note and remember that when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not just talking about your emotions or your feelings. The heart in the Bible is an expression of your total being, the very center of who you are. It represents your thoughts, your physical being, your emotions, your values, your beliefs, your focus, your purpose. When the Bible talks about all your heart, it is really encompassing everything you are. And so there are a number of things that we're encouraged to do with all our heart, and today I want to tell you about five of them. We are to work for the Lord with all our heart. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, many of you will already know this, but this is just a, a heads up for particularly for the younger ones here. Every job has elements that you don't want to do. It's just the way it is. Every job has components that don't really float your boat or spin your wheels. You might have heard people say, find a job that you love and you won't, spend, uh, you won't work a day in your life, right? Find a job that you love and you won't work a day in your life. I'm here to tell you that doing the job you love will involve hard work at some point. It always will. There will be paperwork that you don't want to do. There will be conflicts you would rather not face. There will be major financial decisions. There will be time pressures. There will also be mundane and menial tasks that you never thought you would have to do. But if you can retain that sense of purpose, that attitude of working for the Lord in whatever we do, then we can work at it with all our heart. I actually remember last year, over the course of one day, I had poured some concrete, done an emergency pastoral well-being check on someone, had a formal meeting that had been set up for weeks, uh, helped set up a computer, fix a printer, written some music, moved some chairs, and done some clean cleaning, as well as all the normal emails and phone calls. That's quite a, quite a vast spread of tasks in a day at work. Were all of those things my favorite things to do? No, they weren't. But could I still find a sense of purpose in doing all of them? Yes, I could, because all of those tasks, I knew that they were going to in some way help people draw closer to God. I'd love to tell you that I never complain about any of the tasks that I do in my job, but I'm not quite there yet. But I do hold on to this verse that tells me to work for the Lord with all my heart. The second thing the Bible tells us to do is to hope or trust in the Lord with all our heart. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. It's a verse we know very well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Put all the hope and trust of your entire being in the Lord. This word here for trust expresses a sense of well-being and security and safety, which results in having something or someone in whom to place confidence. It tells you that you can be at ease, at rest, that you're safe, secure, and confident because you have placed your hope and your trust 
in the Lord. The verse tells us not to place our trust and hope in our own understanding, not in our own minds or thoughts or wisdom, but then it goes beyond that in the second path because it says in all our ways, not just in our thoughts, not just in our minds, but in all our ways, submit to him because there is no part of our human existence that we can put unwavering trust, hope, and confidence in. There's a passage in the book of Jeremiah that says, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me that I am the Lord. So don't put your trust in what you can think, don't put your trust in what you can do, don't put your trust in what you can buy, but put your trust in God. There's a story in the book of Second Chronicles, which tells lots of stories about different kings of Israel and Judah, and King Asa of Judah, who, who saw a lot of war and conflict during his reign, and sometimes he cried out to God. And at other times, he actually just went to other kings and other leaders in the area and asked them for help. And in chapter 16, verses 7 to 9, we read these verses. At that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped your hand. Were not the Cushites and Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing, and from now on you will be at war. The prophet's saying to the king, when you relied on God, he delivered you. But now that you've put your trust and hope in the strength of another man instead of the Lord, this will cause conflict for you for the rest of your life. We're being told to put our wholehearted hope and trust in the Lord. There's a third thing we're told to do. Obey the Lord with all your heart. So we've got to work for the Lord, put our hope in the Lord, and obey the Lord with all our heart. Psalm 119 says this, Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. I don't know if there are any parents or teachers or anybody really who's in a position where you have had to ask somebody to do something or given a set of instructions to someone and that person has half-heartedly followed your instructions. I'm sure many of you know what I mean. You, you tell them to do something and you come back later that, to find that they've sort of done what you asked but in the most minimal and ineffective way possible. Or you tell them not to do something, so they stop doing that thing, but find a loophole in your instruction that allows them to continue doing almost the same thing, but without directly disobeying what you said. It certainly happens with kids all the time. I know most of my thinking actually is me as a kid rather than as a parent, but I I know that it happens. And you know, you, you might ask your kids to clear the dishes. So they'll clear the dishes by moving them from the table to the bench next to the dishwasher instead of in the dishwasher, or sort out that you've left clothes on the floor. So they'll take the clothes and they'll put it on the floor in the laundry next to the washing machine or next to the laundry basket. Or this one certainly happened uh, to me and my brothers. You'll tell them to stop throwing a ball in the lounge. 
And you come back five minutes later to find them throwing a cushion in the lounge or the ball in the kitchen. Anything, throwing anything anywhere except for the one object that you specified in the one location that you specified. It's like they're obeying you, but doing so in a half-hearted way. It happens in work or school environment too. It certainly happened when I was a teacher. I've often seen it when a, a new idea or a new instruction is given. Somebody will protest that it won't work. And then they'll do it so begrudgingly and so half-heartedly that sure enough, it doesn't work. And then they cap it off with, see, I told you it wouldn't work. No, you didn't do the work. You didn't obey with all your heart. In the book of 2 Kings, chapter 13, we read the story of Jehoash, another king of Israel, and he went to see the prophet Elisha because Israel was under attack. And despite the fact that Jehoash didn't usually follow the Lord, he wasn't really one who, who obeyed his commands, in this instance, he still wanted the power and the blessing of God with him in this battle. So he went to the prophet, and Elisha told the king to do a few things, including get a bow and some arrows, and some other stuff happened, and then we picked up Pick up this in verse 18. Elisha then says, take the arrows. And the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. So the king did what he was told, right? He actually obeyed the command, but he did it on his terms. He did it part of the way. Elisha told him to take the arrows. Now, the king had already shot one arrow out of the window, which he was told to do, and scholars believe it is likely that he would have had between five and seven arrows left because the quivers of the day were, were normally about six or eight arrows was a standard-sized quiver. So the king, when he's told to strike the ground with the arrows... He only struck with what was probably around half of the arrows that he actually had left. He obeyed, but not with all his heart, not with all he had, not with all that he could have. And the result of that lack of wholehearted obedience had far-reaching implications for him and for the people of Israel. Obey the Lord with all your heart. Work for the Lord. Hope in the Lord. Obey the Lord. Number four. Love the Lord with all your heart. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Again, something we're very familiar with. We know this one, don't we? It's our primary purpose, Jesus is saying. This is the first and greatest commandment that you must take a hold of. And he's quoting the Old Testament when he says this. It's first found in Deuteronomy 6. But you can't ignore how strong this statement is. Because when he says, love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, it's really trying to emphasize the all. Because all your heart already means all your soul and all of your mind. It already means everything that you are and have and do. And in fact, in the Gospels of Mark and Luke, it has this verse, but it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, which is also already included in all your heart because it's your physical being. It's part of your heart in this context. So love God with everything you are, with everything you think, 
with all that you do, all you say, all you dream and desire, love the Lord with all of your heart. And the fifth thing we're asked to do is to exalt or praise the Lord with all your heart. Psalm 111, praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the council of the upright and in the assembly. Psalm 138, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. Psalm 86, verse 12, which we've already read. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Don't be half-hearted in your worship. Don't be half-hearted in your praise. God is worthy of more than we can possibly ever give Him, so give Him everything that you possibly can. So the Bible asks us, with all our heart, to work for the Lord, to hope and trust in the Lord, to obey the Lord, and to love the Lord, and to exalt and praise the Lord, with all your heart. Team, can I have you come up? We're going to worship again in a moment, but just as I finish off. You know, when you read through the books of Kings and Chronicles, which I've already read passages from this morning in the Old Testament, you read account after account of the leaders and kings of Israel and of Judah, some of them who followed God and some who did not. And as each generation goes by, we're given just a glimpse into what their heart was like, and sometimes what happened as a result. And as you go through, you just get a different description. First Kings 11 says, as, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of, his, of David his father had been. 1 Kings 15, Abijah committed all the sins his father had done before him. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his forefather had been. Later in that chapter, though, another king, although he did not remove the high places, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. 2 Chronicles 12, Rehoboam did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. Later in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, Jehoshaphat's heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. 2 Chronicles 25, Amaziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. God wants your heart. God wants your undivided whole heart. And as we get into 2022, a year that is already filled with change and uncertainty, we can all make a choice to recommit our hearts to God. None of those five things that we've listed today are actually determined by our circumstance. We can choose to work for the Lord, choose to trust in the Lord, choose to obey the Lord, to love the Lord, and to praise the Lord with all our heart, regardless of what is going on around us. So this is my question for you this morning. What is in your life today that is causing you to have a divided heart? Are you able to pray this morning, Lord, please give me an undivided heart? Before we move into another time of worship, I want to take a moment to reflect on that question. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit right now to come and move among us and help 
actually identify some of these things for us. So if you are able, would you stand with me and we're going to pray together. And just quiet your mind and still your heart and let God speak to you and start to ask this question. What is in my life that is causing me to have a divided heart? Are there things that are tearing tearing me away from being able to love the Lord with my whole heart? What other loves are there? What other things are you pursuing? What other idols and desires and dreams are there that maybe you haven't laid down to God that maybe are interfering with your wholehearted love for Him? What is there that's stopping you from relying on and trusting in God with all your heart? Are you willing to trust Him with your finances? Are you willing to put your hope in Him for your job, for your relationships? Are you willing to trust Him with your family? Is there fear in your life that you need the Holy Spirit to free you from? Is there doubt that is stopping you from being able to fully trust in the plans and purposes of God? What is there that's stopping you from walking in obedience to Him? Is there sin in your life that you need the Holy Spirit to guide you in dealing with? Is there unrepentance? Is there unforgiveness? Are there things that you are watching or reading or doing or saying or thinking about that are not in accordance with God's will for you? Lord, right now we just ask that you would speak to us. We ask that your Holy Spirit would move amongst us and guide us. We ask that you would pinpoint and begin to bring healing into some of these areas. Identify things, Lord, where our heart is divided where things are taking us away from being able to work for you, put our hope in you, things that are stopping us from obeying you, from loving you, from exalting you. Because the good news is, church, we don't have to deal with this all on our own. In Ezekiel chapter 11, God says to his people, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. So right now, we just want to reach out to you, Lord God. God, we pray that you would give us an undivided heart, that you would even renew our hearts, that you would even replace hearts that are broken or divided or that are stone with a fresh heart that is fully devoted to you. Help us in each of these areas, Lord, and our and that we could work for you with all our heart, that we can put all our hope and trust in you, that we can obey you with all our heart, that we would love you with all we are and all that we have, that we would exalt and praise and worship you and give you glory with all of our hearts for the rest of our lives, Lord God. Holy Spirit, come. Move in us, we pray. God, we ask, give us an undivided heart. Praise you, Lord God. Praise you, Lord God. Praise you, Lord.